Welcome to episode 179 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, We're talking pounds of meat for free plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 179 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. It's been so long since I've talked to you. I know. (laughs) Listeners don't know when these come out a week apart, but we've recorded the last one yesterday, so it's been one day. (laughs) A little quick turnaround here. So anything new since yesterday? (laughs) No, not a thing. Everything is the same. Awesome. Yeah. How about you? Anything new since yesterday? Not really, except I just told you I've I'm slowly bringing wine back into my life, and that feels really nice. Dry farm wines, obviously. Oh, yeah. I would never be able to drink any other kind. I've just... uh, (sighs) Yeah. 
I will say, listeners, I haven't had wine in probably like a year and a half. I'd been having a sip, literally a sip of dry ground wines every single night, but I hadn't really actually had wine in like a year and a half. Like a glass of wine. Like a glass. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. I can't imagine having one sip of wine. What was the reason for having one sip? It just felt like a nice little routine, little supplement. You know how people like take a shot of apple cider vinegar for eating? I don't know. I feel like it kind of had that effect. I think it was more mental rather than anything else. But I will say, I, past two nights, I've had like two glasses both nights of dry farm wines, and I'm I'm fine. Dry farm wines for the win. Yeah, for listeners, if you haven't tried it, if you want to try hangover-free experiences with wine, definitely try it. Our link for them is dryfromwines.com slash podcast, and that gets you a bottle for a penny. Well, good. I'm glad you're figuring out how to work it back in and enjoying it and feeling good. Baby steps. Now just got to get the fruit, the fruit back. <laughs> get that fruit back in. We're having hamburgers for dinner and I'm so excited. That's in case <laughs> anybody's interested. I like hamburgers without the bun. Yeah, it's going to have a bun. It's going to be. And not cooked. So just hamburger meat. <laughs> this is a Green Chef meal. I like Green Chef. Oh, nice. Yeah. They sponsored our podcast way back when. They did. Back in the day. Back in the day. But yeah, this is a Green Chef meal. And so it's it's gonna it's got zucchini, like oven fries on the side. So I'm very excited. I love a good cheeseburger with the bun and the cheese and the meat. So I love a good raw ground beef. No, thank you. No, no, no. It's so good. I will literally eat it that way. Okay, not me. I mean, I like a medium rare burger. So I guess, you know, that would be for some people. But anyway, good times. What will you have for dinner tonight? Do you know? It's mm, a good question. Probably shrimp or turkey or egg whites and cucumbers and maybe try to bring in some fruit. Maybe. So why the egg whites and not the egg yolks? I'm curious. Because I'm trying to do low fat high carb. Okay. Trying to get back to that. All right. How are you feeling with that? Good? Actually, I got motivated because I feel demotivated because I keep trying to bring it back in and I get hypoglycemia symptoms and it's very bothersome. Like I get ravenously hungry basically. And that was never a problem before. So it's a little bit upsetting. But Glenn Livingston, who has the book Never Binge Again, he came on my show and then I went on his show, which actually will probably be airing. I think he said he's going to air it probably around the time this show comes out. So I can put a link to that in the show notes, but he's a huge fruit fan. And I think he convinced me to like bring back the fruit again. So I'm going to do it. going to do it. I think you should do it. When I was experimenting with low fat, just because it was right after mastering diabetes and I read that and I realized that was what my, that one DNA analysis that I had suggested that exact percentage of fat that they had said in Mastering Diabetes, I didn't have the hypoglycemic kind of thing. But, you know, I also eat a lot of grains and, but I always have also. The mistake I made was I, not that it's a mistake, but I tried a really intense ketogenic MCT oil type diet. And I, I think I just lost my ability to, I don't know, I think my liver, it's not used to, you know, running on carbs. So very interesting. What's your lumen telling you? <laughs> I haven't tried it since trying to bring back the carbs, but this is something that's really interesting really quick. So some of the symptoms I get when I try the fruit, if it's too much, it's like a heart racing, like it feels like a sugar overload. And the only time I felt that, that I remember was before when I was eating a lot of fruit was like on my birthday one year and they brought out like a gluten-free 
chocolate cake and I ate like the whole thing and my heart was like racing and I was like, I'm never going to feel this again. And now I'm getting that feeling from just eating like four kiwis and it's really, really upsetting, but I've got to persevere. They say you got to just stick it out. Like you got to just, you got to just be like body or eating fruit and I'll learn how to. Well, I'm not doing any kind of restricting at all, right? <laughs> at all after that experiment yesterday. In fact, you know how I said I was going to have broccoli with hummus, Laz? I actually, instead, I forgot that I had bought some blackberries. And so I opened my window, blackberries with heavy cream on it. So you see, it was neither low fat nor low carb. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect though. Blackberries with heavy cream on top. Yum. Actually, blueberries are the only fruit that they don't give me any heart racing. I still in the fast the next day feel hungry. Do you like blackberries? I do. Maybe I should try some of those. Blackberry, of course, you're doing low fat, but blackberries with heavy cream are just so, I mean, really, you could pour heavy cream over cat food. I would probably like it. But anyway, (laughs) it's really good on blackberries and probably blueberries and strawberries and all the berries. I bet you don't do dairy. Actually, oh, I have been eating low fat (laughs) and I rinse it to try to make it. And I might start making my own cottage cheese. I do love cottage cheese. I love cottage cheese. They have like cultured cottage cheese. That's what I That's what I have. Now I feel like I should go get some cultured cottage cheese just to eat it, but I'm not going to rinse it and I'm not going to get low fat. Wait, no, 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 no. Get Nancy's cultured. It's so good. And then I rinse it. I think I'm going to. And then I'm going to, because I'm like, I got to eat the rest of these blackberries because they were on sale. That's why I bought them. So yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to start making it. Apparently you can make it in your instant pot. I am so excited. I am so excited. I don't have an instant pot. I'm going to make it from like fat-free, grass-fed milk. All right. Cottage cheese. We got to stop recording the podcast. Thank you all. It was great to hear you today. (laughs) An eight-minute podcast. Is that enough? Got to go make my cottage cheese. Well, I got to go buy some. I'm not going to. I have a book about making cheese. It's like the 30-minute cheese or something. It's some kind of a book for making quick cheese, but I never made any cheese. (sighs) All these great intentions. So many things. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to get started? Yes. All right. So to start things off, we have two questions and they touch on a similar topic. So we will read both of those. The first one comes from Adele. The subject is IF with small kids and holidays. And Adele says, hi, ladies. I just want to say thank you so much for the podcast. I listen religiously and look forward to a new podcast every week. The information that you provide has really helped me on my journey, which I'm still relatively new to. My question to you is how do I deal with questions from my kids who are six and four? My six-year-old is starting to make comments about me not eating, and I don't want them to have a bad complex with food or think that I do. I've been telling them that I'm just not hungry and I don't feel like eating until later in the day. Is this the right approach or do you have other advice? We are also going on holidays for 10 days next week, and I'm worried about fasting while on holidays as we'll be sitting down together for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I was thinking of trying to skip breakfast only, but now I'm worried in front of the kids to just sit with a cup of coffee only. I don't want to undo all of my hard work by going mad for 10 days. I'd like to be able to find a balance. Do you have any tips for me that can help with this? Thanks in advance. And then we also have a question from Jessica. The subject is, my kids are watching me. Jessica says, hi, Jen and Melanie. First and foremost, I want to thank you ladies for all your hard work you put into this podcast. I am new at this and I have been loving catching up and you both have helped me understand this and love it. I have two questions I would love your input on. So actually, I'll go ahead and read her second question and we can come back to her first question. So her second question, she says, 
I have two kids, three and five. My husband brought to my attention the other day that they are watching me. What does it look like to my kids when I am not eating with them? They see me skipping meals and I'm sure they might start having questions. I'm not so sure fasting is a good idea for children. So my question is, do you ladies have any kind of suggestions or have you ever dealt with this before? If so, what did you do or what would you recommend? I certainly would never want my kids to start questioning their eating habits at their ages. They are not overweight and they are good eaters. Thank you so much for all you do. I apologize if I'm asking something you've already touched on and I missed it. Love your podcast. And we can circle back to her other question, but kids and this problem. Jen, what are, what are your thoughts? Jessica is right that intermittent fasting is not recommended for kids. And by that, I mean, we do not recommend that kids or even teenagers start with a prescriptive, like, I am going to have an eating window, and it's going to be from this time to this time every day, and I eat in a five-hour window or an eight-hour window or whatever. It's not recommended until they've reached physical maturity to the level that it would be okay. So if you have a teenager who you feel like is physically mature, talk to their pediatrician, make sure that they are are developmentally ready for intermittent fasting. But obviously, the children in, in these two questions are way too young for that. But You know, I was an elementary teacher for 28 years, and I find that we often overcomplicate things in our adult minds when we're thinking about how kids are going to respond when really kids are great with simple explanations. You know, I look back to how I was a crazy dieter for so many years when my kids were really little and I was like doing crazy things. They watched me have a very twisted relationship with food, with my body, with eating, but I wasn't fasting. But they were watching I me. Mean, I think that they were more likely to get a complex during those crazy years than now. Now that I'm an intermittent faster, of course, my kids are grown and they are intermittent fasters too now. But if they had watched me as an intermittent faster growing up, they would see someone who does not have a crazy relationship with food. When I eat, they see me eat with gusto and enjoyment. They see that I love food, that I don't fear food, that I eat what feels good, eat what I love, stop when I'm satisfied, and I don't use dieting language like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that, or oh, I'm getting fat, or you know things like that. Those are the things that kids pick up on a lot. You know, I I think you just, you live the lifestyle the way that you feel right living it. And if a child asks, hey, why aren't you eating? Say, you know, I'm a grown-up and grown-ups have different needs. Grown-up bodies need food differently than growing bodies. Growing bodies need to eat more frequently because you're trying to grow. And adult bodies, we're not trying to grow, so we don't need to eat as often. And, And the kids go, oh, okay. And then they go on. And they, they really don't need, you know, long, drawn-out explanations. They just really instinctually understand growing bodies have different needs. And if you have a child that's trying to copy you, like, oh, I'm not going to eat either. I'm going to fast too. Say, no, fasting is not for kids. You have a growing body. I want you to eat when you're hungry. So I, I think that they understand that. Now, that being said, if you have a kid in, you know, in the morning and your child's like, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. Just naturally. I would not force the child to eat. You know, teach your child to be an intuitive eater. Eat when they're hungry. Stop when they're satisfied. You know, don't say, have one more bite. You know, just eat a little more. You know, let them stop when they've had enough. And they'll turn into, you know, lifetime intuitive eaters who don't have all the baggage that so many of us came along with. What do you think, Melanie? That was an epic and perfect answer. And I was wondering, growing up, what was the messaging when you grew up for like when you were eating? 
I had a mother who was a hippie, so she didn't really force me to eat. I remember one time she made me sit there at the table till I was going to eat. It was like squash or something. And I was like, I will die before I'll eat the squash. Now I love squash. And I mean, I sat there for hours and I, I never ate it. So there was... <laughs> I won that battle. I remember that. And I think she never did it again. I like that story. I was like, I'm not going to eat it. You know, I could, I'll, I'll be like an old lady sitting here with this plate of squash anyhow. So I remember that. But really, you know, my mother wasn't that interested in what I was eating. And whether it was a TV dinner or, you know, a can of SpaghettiOs, it didn't matter to her. You know, she was fine with, with if I wanted to eat a sandwich or, you know, it didn't matter. But, you know, I got to the point where, there also weren't there weren't a lot of rules around now we're having a meal and don't eat between meals. So I started using snacking more recreationally, you know, later, but I went to college at 17. So I never really lived at home again for a long period of time after the age of 17, even in the summers, you know, a couple of times I one time I worked at a camp all summer and then one time I worked on college campuses. So yeah, I left home pretty early. I forgot about that that we both did that. Yeah. So, you know, then I was like just becoming a grown up and trying to figure out my own relationship with food. But we didn't really have structured meal times. I think it would have been better if I had grown. I would have liked to, I don't, who knows? It's hard to say. But if I'd grown up in a household where it was like, now we're sitting down to breakfast, now we're sitting down to lunch, now we're sitting down to dinner. Instead, it was more like grab something whenever you felt like it. Instead, no one ever asked me really if I was hungry. Oh, that's so interesting. Anyway. It is interesting, but my mother struggled with her weight. She was a dance teacher, so she was always complaining about her weight or complaining about her size or trying to be on a diet, and so I think I I saw a lot of that. I don't know. It's hard. (laughs) No matter what, we're probably doing something wrong. You can just do the best you can. Yeah. Well, we can go to Jessica's other question. So she said, I love running, and I've been doing it for about 15 years. Anywhere between four to seven miles, four to six times a week. I have been on the 18-6 IF cycle. I tend to eat a lunch and an early dinner. However, I run in the mornings and I'm wondering if not eating after my runs is a bad idea. I feel fine not eating. I am hard-headed though and sometimes not in tune with my body. So I would appreciate any thoughts you might have on this. Yeah, I think that you're in tune with your body enough to know that if it was bad for your body, you would you would feel that. So if you feel fine not eating, I think you would know. You would feel possibly shaky or you, know, you would have some sort of a sign that your body was not happy. Yeah, because we get a lot of questions of people who do experience you know, that. <laughs> if it's not broken, don't fix it. That's what I say. Really, you know, if it feels right, it probably is. And if it feels wrong, it probably is. <laughs> Our bodies have amazing feedback mechanisms in place when we connect to them. It's very, very true. All right, we have a question from Lisa, and the subject is melatonin. Hi, ladies. I love, love, love your work and have been binge listening to both this podcast and Jen's other podcast for almost a month now. I came to IF about six weeks ago primarily as a way to prevent Alzheimer's disease, which my mother has. I don't weigh myself because scales play mind games with me, but I notice clothes are looser and I feel overall just wonderful, high energy, more stable moods, and best of all, I crave healthier foods. My question relates to sleep aids. One important anti-Alzheimer's measure is to get regular, solid sleep. Being perimenopausal, my sleep hasn't been so solid, so I've been given the green light to take melatonin at night to help. My understanding is that the chewable varieties are most effective, 
You can probably guess my question. Does chewing two pills at night break my fast? I usually close my window around 8, but I don't want to take my melatonin until around 11, which is when I like to go to bed. I'm almost finished reading Fast Feast Repeat, so apologies if there's an answer in that book that I haven't yet read. And then she lists the ingredients of her melatonin, and it does have flavors and sweeteners. So thanks. So thank you, Lisa, so much for your question. So melatonin in itself, like the hormone, is not going to break a fast. So if you were to be crazy like me in the past and order straight pure melatonin powder, (laughs) there would not be any fast breaking, but don't do that. That can be dangerous. The supplement that you listed, it does have a lot of ingredients in it. Like Jen said, artificial sweeteners like xylitol, maltodextrin, which is actually it's sugar, starch, natural flavors. The technical answer is yes. My little caveat to it, and I'm not saying this to encourage people to, you know, take things lightly, but I think if there's the potential for something like a supplement being least problematic in the whole grand scheme of things, it's probably shortly after your eating window has closed because you're still in the fed state that tiny little bit of whatever. It's not like you're like kind of into the fasted state already where taking in a supplement is going to send a different signal to your body because you're in the fed state at that moment. So this is like really just supplement specifically. That said, I really wouldn't recommend the one that you're taking, Lisa, because it's got a lot of stuff in there. You don't need all that stuff in there. Um, there are much pure forms that you can get. And I would actually really recommend I had On my other show, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who made a sleep supplement called Sleep Remedy, and it does feature melatonin and the correct ratio that your brain needs, as well as other natural substrates that your brain needs to like naturally instigate the sleep state. So it's not a pharmaceutical or a drug, it's just a supplement. So I really recommend that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes and a coupon. So so yeah, so those are my thoughts. Basically, I would suggest a different supplement anyway, even though if you are taking one, you're taking... I'm not concerned about it from a breaking the fast perspective. I'm just concerned about it in that I don't like all those ingredients that are in it. Jen? Yep. I was going to say that exact thing about a supplement at bedtime. And, you know, for someone like me who's so like fast clean, fast clean, the clean fast is so important. I completely agree with the fact that if you just closed your window at eight, you're only three hours away from that. And so your body has not made the transition you know, if you had a whole meal, that would be a different thing. Right. Like if you had, if you had food. Yeah. Then that starts the clock over. But a tiny little supplement like that is not going to interrupt, you know, because you're still digesting your last meal. You haven't shifted over, you know, into fat burning yet. It's not sending a different signal, basically. Yes. I liked the way you said that. So, I mean, if you were, you know, 15 hours into your fast, it's going to feel different. And plus, you know, even if it does make you feel a little, you're going to sleep. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. I got to try that sleep remedy, Melanie. I've never tried it. Oh, yeah. You haven't tried it? No. Have him send me some. Wait, Jen, how have you not tried it? I don't know. All the struggle I've had with my sleep. I have taken it consistently for the past, like, five or six years. I got to get some of that. Work your magic. And then we can talk about it. I can work some magic. Work some magic. And... They have an unflavored version. Is it something you dissolve in water? Well, he has the supplement pill, like the supplements, and then he has like drinks versions. So you can like look it over and see what you want. All right. Well, I'd be interested to try it. 
just to say, I will make that happen. And for listeners, so if you go to melanieavalon.com slash sleep remedy and use the coupon code melanieavalon, you will get 10% off. Yeah. So I take the unflavored capsules, but there is like a drink packet as well. That's actually a good question. So like, Jen, what would you think about the drink version? Because that would be more like a drink, but it doesn't have calories. I'm still pretty loosey-goosey up until I go to bed just because I have the evening eating window. I would never want to do something early in the day when I've woken up that would inadvertently break my fast because I'm deep in the fasted state. Right before bed, I mean, your body is still shifting over. And a small sleep aid, I don't know how much it is. I mean, how much is the drink? So like if you take one, it's like a packet that you mix. It's five calories. Yeah, probably not going to make a huge difference. You know, it's tiny and it's at bedtime. But I guarantee if I woke up in the morning and drank something like that, I would be shaking. I, I would have, you know. I'm glad we discussed that. I hadn't really thought about that way until we talked about it right now. But the signals like, framework, you know, because it's like you're not changing anything that's happening signal wise. And especially like this drink would have five calories. I would take the capsule, though, just because. But sometimes people really overstress about stuff that's in capsules, too. And they're like, I want to take this, you know, magnesium at bedtime, and it's got, you know, whatever, whatever in the capsule. Yeah, that's probably not a problem. Not very much. So at bedtime is the time that I worry the least about supplements. What I love about the capsules is they're completely unflavored. There's no problematic ingredients. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hack. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. 
It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. So our next question comes from Phoebe. The subject is... IF harder at certain points in menstrual cycle. And Phoebe says, Hi, Melanie and Jen. I've been doing IF for over a month now, trying to find where my body is happiest, something between 16.8 and 18.6, and taking it day by day. One thing I'm starting to notice is that the more my hormones are changing closer to my period, I have a very regular cycle and very predictable bloating and cramps, etc. So I know it's coming. The harder fasting seems to be. I feel hungrier sooner and generally more shaky or lethargic, things I felt in the first days of IF, but which soon vanished. I'm wondering if hormonal processes are to blame for fasting suddenly becoming much harder the last week or so. Have you heard other people saying the same thing? And yes, I am clean fasting, not over-exercising, and sleeping enough. Thank you so much for all y'all do. All right, so I wish I knew how much time that really was because... Phoebe says over a month now. So there's a big difference between like five weeks or like 12 weeks. If Phoebe is within the first eight weeks still, it could just be the, the getting to the end of the adjustment period where you have a harder time. You know, overall with people in the groups, we hear over and over again that all of a sudden fasting gets really, really hard. That's when that metabolic switch is getting ready to happen. The metabolic switch we talked about last week as your body's approaching that point and making the shift to fat burning. So it totally could be your body getting ready to make that metabolic switch if, you know, depending on where you are in the process. But, you know, I remember when I was doing intermittent fasting in the, in the earlier days and I was really tracking a lot of things and paying more attention to windows. And I can remember it was always like a shock to me every month. Like, you know, because my, my cycle hasn't been regular like that. But, you know, especially since I've been going through perimenopause and menopause, you know, I, I was wacky for years before I even started intermittent fasting. I had trouble with fibroids, that sort of thing. But I can remember I would like be hungry and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so hungry? What's going on? And then bam, the next day. And then finally I started to recognize. But every month, it's or not month, it might be have been 40 days, then one time it was, anyway, my cycle was all over the place during that period of my life. But every time I had that same reaction. Like not realizing. Yeah. I was like, I am just so hungry. And I'm like going to the grocery store and buying all the ice cream. And then the next day there, there it is. It was just so very funny because it surprised me every time. Then all of a sudden I was, I realized, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've been women our whole lives, right? And (laughs) why was it suddenly a shock? But I know I really noticed it with intermittent fasting in those earlier days. But now Almost at the end of menopause, Melanie. I looked it up last night. I'm on yesterday was day 333. I am now on day 334. 
So I'm like a month away from being able to say that I am done. I know nothing about all of this. Well, I mean, you know, a year. You give it a year, a year with no cycle, and then you can say you're officially. And here's what's really, really funny. I looked up one time what was the average age for menopause, and it was like 51. And like, here I am, 51. So I'm going to be perfectly average. Spot on. Yay. Hooray for that. I wonder if you probably were more in tune to the hunger because you were so used to not being hungry with intermittent fasting. So it was like, what? I think so. I think that, that intermittent fasting made me see it more than I had before. I think that's true. But it was it was just, I just remember that process of being surprised every time. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, now I get it. I get it. Thank you. But I was getting more in tune with my body. So do you suggest for women who do experience like crazy hunger to continue with what they are? Well, I continued fasting, but I had longer windows and ate the food my body was craving. You know, I just said, that's what this is. And I bought the ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think for a lot of women, the carbs are pretty important and all of that. Well, my body certainly craved them. And instead of having ice cream, I probably could have filled that same hole with, say, the blackberries with heavy cream. That's what I was just about to say was I would definitely encourage if you are having the cravings, there are, you know, different ways you can fulfill that craving. And if it is at all possible to get it in more of a whole foods form, that will help everything the most in the long term. Even if you want to eat, you know, cake mixes instead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I have I can't think of the last time I've bought ice cream. I don't think, you know, we just have been in the house for a year. I don't think I've bought ice cream. Like actual ice cream the whole time we've been living in this house, which is fast. I used to eat it all the time, but then I realized, you know, that the sugar gave me restless legs. I'm okay if I have a little treat. I just have discovered, you're familiar with Kind Bars, I'm I'm sure. They have frozen Kind Bars that are almost like ice cream, but I think they're non-dairy. Oh, really? Yeah, they're so good. They're almost like having like a little ice cream bar, like a Snickers bar, ice cream bar or something. But the ingredients are so much different than you would find. And I have some of those in the freezer, but I'm not not really gravitating towards them every day. One of the things I used to really love was there was a frozen kefir at Whole Foods, but I can't find it now. Oh, I bet I would love that. And it was it was like low fat too. It was perfect. It was like low fat, yeah, frozen. It was Lifeway brand. Okay, yeah. If you ever see it, it was yeah, it was really good. If I ever see it, I'll get it. Yeah. But now I have these wonderful little truffles. I have to just share these little truffles. Somebody, I was on her podcast, and so she sent me as a thank you. These little tiny truffles, they're, they're like so amazing. And so first of all, I told my husband he was not to consider them as his. <laughs> and then I hid them in the refrigerator. <laughs> and then he's like, where are those truffles? So every night I get them out and we each have one. He's allowed to have one and I'm allowed to have one. So because we're savoring them and making them. I mean, I, I'm not allowed to have one, if that makes sense. I just know that it's just the perfect amount and I won't feel bad after having one. And it's going to make it last for days and days. I love that. I know. All right. Are we ready for the next one? All right. So our next question is from Renee. The subject is 24-hour fast. And Renee says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Love the podcast. I learned so much from it. I'm wondering about your opinions on adding in two 24-hour fasts per week to my routine. I've been IFing consistently since late February 2020. My minimum fast is 16 hours, but my average is 19 to 20 hours. 
You've seen a weight loss of three to five pounds. Very disappointing. I wonder when she sent this. She said, yes, I am clean fasting, black coffee and plain LaCroix or Topo Chico only during the fast and eat a pretty clean diet during my window. I would say 85 to 90% whole foods, 10 to 15% processed. I do like my wine and I have it a few times a week. I read fast feet repeat and it sounds like maybe it's time for me to give ADF a shot, but I am hesitant to do so. I like to eat something daily. I'm wondering if I throw in two 24 hour fasts a week as in eat Sunday night at five and then don't eat until dinner Monday at six and then repeat that again Wednesday to Thursday, following those with a 16 to 18 hour fast on Thursday and Friday to refeed and maintain 20 hour fast the other days. Do we think that that could jumpstart my weight loss? I only have 15 to 18 pounds to lose. I'm at 158. My goal is 140. I am 5'5", but it seems like they just don't want to come off. I would love to hear what you ladies think of this plan or if you have better ideas. Thanks in advance, Renee. So Renee sent this mid-August. She's been IFing for, let's see, February, March, April, May, June, July, like about six months. And she's lost three to five pounds. All right. So yeah, great question, Renee. First of all, I'm going to say something that's probably going to make you super sad. And that is the wine. And... Look, I have had a struggle with wine, and I'll be talking more about that over coming months, but in Delayed on Deny, and I think I talked about this in Fast Feast Repeat as well, when I was getting to my initial goal weight back in 2015, I delayed wine for about 10 weeks. You know, I had a goal. I wanted to get to it. It was about time to shop for spring clothes. So I really, I wanted to go ahead and get to my goal weight so I could go shopping and buy my spring wardrobe. That was what it was. So I delayed wine and also ultra-processed foods, which you'll remember the discussion of that from Fast Feast Repeat. And even though I had already lost, I had lost 55 pounds at that point of my journey. I had 20 to go to get to my goal. And uh, my initial goal was to lose 75 pounds. And even though I had already lost 55 pounds, I started losing at the rate of two pounds a week, which is really crazy for somebody who's already lost 55 pounds and is approaching their goal. Usually that's when weight loss really slows down. But mine really picked up because of the food choices I was making, not having the alcohol like really turbocharged my weight loss. And I have since figured out what I think is the reason. You know, you've heard me talk about DNA analysis. And I did a different company recently, just ran it through. It was not a very expensive one, but I ran my raw data through their company. And it, for the first time, I got information about my rate of alcohol metabolism. I am a slow alcohol metabolizer. And so that kind of blew my mind. And it made me realize why alcohol affected me so much when it came to weight loss, because my body has to focus on dealing with the alcohol. You know, your liver processes alcohol. Your liver is also going to be the place where, you know, where you want to be processing your fat that you're you know, going into ketosis. So I really think that for people like me who are slow alcohol metabolizers, Alcohol may really be that link that is keeping you from tapping into your fat-burning superpower. And I actually have been experimenting with the ketone breath elizer that Melanie's talked about before, and I have one too, and noticed a giant difference in my ketone levels for days after having any alcohol at all. So I know that (laughs) nobody wants to hear that alcohol could be the culprit for you, but man, my body sure has told it to me. You know, I also see that 
you don't really want to do ADF. So I would pull out Fast Feast Repeat and look at the Intermittent Fasting Toolbox chapter. You do not have to do, you know, full on ADF. You can do, you know, Toolbox Strategy 2. I called it kind of a loose version of ADF because you're having short windows a few days a week and then longer windows. So you're kind of getting that alternate pattern without having a full down day. So look at toolbox strategy two, where you're throwing in a few, you know, like you mentioned, having two 24-hour fasts per week. Yeah, I would certainly try that. That plus the wine, and I really think you would you would see some things change. I'm sorry to tell you that because wine is amazing. So I will weigh in and provide a I guess it could equally be a Debbie Downer or it could be a not Debbie Downer if you prefer the wine. And again, sorry if your name is Debbie. I know. That's what I was just thinking. That's what I was just thinking. So me looking at like what you're eating and drinking, the 85, 90% whole foods, 10 to 15% processed, and then wine a few times a week. Everything Jen said is completely true and stands. You know, some people are slow metabolizers. Some people... I'm still mad about that, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) struggle with weight loss with wine. For a silver lining, from what I've seen, the majority of the research on alcohol and wine actually tends to, so not like the food choices with the wine, but just wine and alcohol itself tends to correlate to lower weights, particularly in women. Wine and alcohol itself can't actually become body fat. So when you are gaining weight, If you're gaining weight from drinking, it's from two potential things. It's what you're eating with the wine and or what Jen talked about. If it's messing with how you're metabolizing other fuels, it could be an issue. So basically, it's possible that it's fine. It's possible that it's not fine. It's definitely something that you can play with and see. I would say like if I were to focus on something, I would focus on either going all whole foods, cutting out the processed foods, or because she doesn't mention macros at all, or trying a macros approach. So either low carb, high fat, or high carb, low fat. And with both of those, I would recommend 10% or less of the macro you're limiting. So like 10% fat diet or 10% carbs diet. So out of all those choices... (laughs) maybe try what sounds most appealing to you. I think you'll see biggest results from addressing the food choices probably. So that's definitely something to try. Yeah. If you're not wanting to try ADF, I wouldn't make that the first choice, like Jen said, because there's so many other things you can try. So why do something you don't want to try? Yeah, exactly. I just was shocked at the difference it made in my my breath ketone scores. That That's the thing I wasn't expecting. I couldn't believe the difference that it made, in fact. And then that was what really sent me looking for, I I guess I've never really come across the idea that some people are slow alcohol metabolizers and all the, you know, the stuff I've, I've read about people, you know, our bodies handling things differently. Like, for example, I had read about caffeine metabolism. I know I'm a fast caffeine metabolizer. The other DNA analyses I did all told me that, but I never saw anything about alcohol. So then I was like, I wonder if... We can be have different rates of alcohol metabolism. Then I looked it up, and sure enough, there there it was. And so it just it was really using the ketone readings that let me see something was going on. Also, yeah, for those ketone readings, if anybody's interested in 
going down that route of breath analyzing, I do have a group for it. It's called Lumen Lovers and Biosense Biohackers. So you guys can join me there. Did I talk yet on the show about that recent study that just came out with the alcohol and the rodents that like blew my mind? I can't remember. It's a new study and it was looking at rats that where they like basically only gave them alcoholic water. <laughs> I, can't, I feel that's for some reason. Yeah, but maybe we were just talking about it. I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or off the air. I don't know if we did. So there was a study recently. <laughs> I think it just sounds really funny. They took rats and they had rats on like a weight promoting diet. So like high, high fat, high carb, you know, made to gain weight. Then they had rats also on that diet, but all of their water was slightly alcoholic. <laughs> and then they had rats. I don't know what the third wing was. I think. Oh yeah. We have not talked about this. I don't think we have. This does not sound familiar. Oh, you haven't heard. Okay. Yeah. So the study, it was released January of this year, 2020. And the title is long-term low dose ethanol intake improves health span and resists high fat diet induced obesity in mice. And the setup was that they had mice that were eating like a high fat you know, high carb calorie diet to make them obese. (laughs) And then they had a group also eating that diet, but their water actually had uh, 3.5% V slash V, I'm not sure what that means, ethanol in their drinking water. And then they had a group on a standard diet also with ethanol. Yeah. And they did this to, in their words, investigate the effects of long-term low-dose ethanol intake in vivo. And it was honestly really shocking because the the group that was eating, you know, the, the obesogenic diet without alcohol obviously got a lot of problems. Like everything just crashed and burned. Basically, they got metabolically unhealthy. They gained weight. Their liver triglycerides got bad. They got markers of just a lot of health issues. The group that had the water supplemented with ethanol didn't experience any of those effects. It's honestly really, really shocking. That is bizarre. I was shocked reading it. I don't know. I didn't think it would be that intense of a response. They have a lot of theories in it about why that might be happening. It could be activation of AMPK, which is something we talk about a lot or at least I talk about it a lot. I'm not sure we talk about it a lot in this show, but that's a gene that's expressed in the, in the fasted state. And it's a longevity promoting gene and it makes your body basically turn to its own self for fuel sources. So it's great. It's like what we get during fasting. So that could possibly be at play. It might have to do with insulin sensitivity. And yeah, it could be a lot of other things. Their conclusion, basically, they said our findings showed that not only could long-term low-dose ethanol intake improve the physical performance and the health span in mice, but also boost the defense mechanism against the high-fat diet. Extended evaluations are needed to assess the long-term impacts of moderate alcohol intake on organs or systems such as the brain, the muscular, and the cardiovascular system. Findings from the current study substantiate opinions on the protective effects of moderate alcohol intake. They weren't trying to lose weight, right? It just prevented weight gain. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. So basically, they weren't adding it to like a normal diet. They were adding it to a diet made to make the rats obese and metabolically unhealthy. And when they had alcohol, they were protected from all of that. Okay. But they were not like overweight rats who were trying to lose weight during their rat study. Yeah. It wasn't a weight loss study, but it makes you wonder, you know, if it is having all of these effects. It's very intriguing and... 
it speaks to the potential role of wine in a healthy diet if it works with your body for weight loss. That's the kind of study I would have clung to like a life raft when I was trying to <laughs> like, look, it's it makes it better. It makes it better. That's why I was drinking so much wine, but then realizing how it was affecting me. And the crazy thing is, I think for me, it does make me better. Enough people say it that I, I believe, just like, you know, I believe it if it is. But just for me, it's just been shocking to see the difference. My body composition, hands down, throughout my life has been the best during the time. And it could just be correlation, but it was definitely during the time that I was drinking the most wine. Well, I lost weight the fastest. That was back when I was weighing daily and calculating, and I knew what my weekly average was doing. And I'd been, you know, on that road for for a while to lose the 55 pounds before, but I lost two pounds a week after eliminating the wine. So, and I would notice if I had it, like, you know, I just really noticed the correlation between my weight and wine and any alcohol back when I was a regular weigher. So Renee, experiment with it and see, you may be like me and the wine could make a difference for you. Or you could be like the rats <laughs> or Melanie and the wine helps you. That's a variable to play around with. And I will say, I said it at the beginning, but try farm wines. The reason we love them so much is it's basically a company that goes throughout Europe and finds the wineries practicing organic practices. And then they extensively test the wines to make sure they are free of alcohols, free of pesticides, free of toxins, free of mold, low sugar and low alcohol. And they're dry farmed, which is the traditional way of winemaking. And it actually creates more of a xenohormesis potential in the grapes, which is basically just saying that it's likely going to have more compounds that actually jumpstart those longevity genes in our body. The link dryformwines.com slash I have podcast gets you a bottle for a penny. All right. Shall we do one more quick question? Yeah, I think we have time for one more. And this is from Alexis. And the subject is morning workout. If I work out in the morning, then I am hungry but I don't want to eat and break my fast. However, if I don't eat after my morning walk, then I can feel sick and queasy. Any tips to hold me over so I don't break my fast until later in the day? And she signed it Lexi, even though her email came from Alexis. She goes by Lexi. What do you say to Lexi? So I have a few different thoughts here. She says workout, but she says it's a morning walk, you know, so it's not like an intense, right? gym session, which if that were the case, it would make more sense. The fact, do you find, Jen, that most people get hungry or sick and queasy from like just a walk? I'm just curious. I'm wondering if Lexi is just really early in the process and is not fat adapted yet, because absolutely no. Once people are fat adapted, a morning walk would not make you probably sick and queasy. So if you've been fasting clean for a long time and you're pretty sure you're fat adapted, I wouldn't think a morning walk would make you sick and queasy because I could do anything. I mean, okay, that's me. I'm talking about myself. But, you know, just from the, the hundreds of thousands of group members that say the same thing. Once you're adapted, you know, what people I interview for intermittent fasting stories, they talk about how, you know, once they're adapted, they just keep doing the things in, in the fasted state and they feel great. But it's during the adjustment process, you know, because feeling sick and queasy is a sign of low blood sugar, which means your body has nothing to fuel you. And so your body is not accessing a fuel source during your walk for whatever reason. Your blood sugar crashes. You feel sick and queasy. Yeah, I was going to say it's ironic because oftentimes I feel like if we get questions about how do I 
deal with hunger during the fast, one of my suggestions is actually do something like go on a walk because normally it usually has the opposite effect. Well, it pushes you to that fat burning. It gets you there if you're like right on the edge. Because, you know, if I'm having a lull during the day, a momentary feeling of, uh, I just will pay attention to it for a minute. And then usually right after that, bam, you know, I hit the the really good part. <laughs> so I actually have a suggestion that's like way out there. <laughs> I am really, really becoming more and more convinced of the power of things like breath work, especially for things like nausea or feeling sick or queasy or hunger, because we don't just get energy from food. We get it from food, light, oxygen, breathing. And they've done studies. It's fascinating. They've done studies on athletes and the percent increase in energy that they can get from breath work is very impressive. So for example, when you're actually doing physical activity to generate energy, the process of actually creating energy, which is called ATP molecules, that involves something called aerobic dissimulation. And aerobic dissimulation creates about 30 times more energy, ATP molecules, when there's oxygen versus when there's not oxygen. And they found in studies that they can substantially increase performance with breath work. The reason I'm saying this is if you're struggling with, you know, your body doesn't seem to be fueling adequately with your activity, I would maybe suggest trying some breath work techniques before and potentially after. I'll put a link in the show notes to Wim Hof's new book that's coming out because he has a lot of exercises in there for this specifically. Also, you can tie it in with like a mindset shift. So maybe if you can see your morning walk, not as something that's going to make you hungry, but as something that is actually tapping into your fat burning, the power of the mind is very powerful. And we've seen studies on this, like when people are doing exercise, if they think they are burning more calories, they lose more weight, like they burn more calories. So if you can see the walk as tapping into your fat burning, that might actually be effective. Oh, yeah. I believe the power of that. You know, I talked about some of those studies in Fast Feast Repeat, where people were told that this is all the exercise you need in a day. It was like like hotel workers. And just the group that was told this was great exercise lost weight. The group that wasn't told that didn't. I mean, your mind is amazing. The Mindset is all covered in Wim Hof's new book, too. So I can't wait to read it. I am so excited for you to read it. I think I'm really excited that you're excited to read it. <laughs> well, I, I think he's kind of cool. You know, he's a little wacky, right? Have you heard him talk? I don't think I have because, you know, I don't listen to things. I know you don't listen to things, but the interview I did with him, maybe you'll listen to it. He'll be talking like normal and then he'll just get so excited and passionate and just start like basically like screaming and like talking about like changing the world. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Oh, well, I, I can't wait to read it. He seems like an amazing guy. He really, he really is. I would hands down get that book. <laughs> I honestly, I want to be like, everybody read this and just use it to deal with like all the things that you're struggling with because it's just a really great reframe for what we experience. That said, if it doesn't mess with your circadian rhythm, you could have some coffee. You know, that might help suppress appetite, tea, also breath work side of things. I'd mentioned this before, but I am loving, loving my Camuso Shift necklace. It's a necklace that you wear and you breathe in through your nose and then out through it. And it forces you to extend your exhale. So it basically forces you into a breath work technique that is calming and 
just really beneficial for the body. So especially if you have the, the, the urge to like munch, so you want something like in your mouth, <laughs> it's kind of nice because it's literally something that you can put to your mouth. But yeah, I would just, I would just encourage, like Jen said, we don't know how long she's been doing it. Yeah, that would be something I would really, I would wonder because it just sounds like she's not fat adapted. Yeah, definitely. And also she doesn't talk at all about what she's eating in general. So that could also be adjusted, but we don't know. Jen, do you have other thoughts? Nope. I think that was it. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us, and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. All righty. 
Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can get Jen's new book, Fast Feast Repeat, in stores everywhere. You can join my Facebook groups, IF Biohackers and Lumen Lovers and Biosense Biohackers. (laughs) Got two of those. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are I have podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Melanie Avalon and Jen is Jen Stevens. And I think that's it. Yep. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. And I will talk to you next week. Oh my goodness. I just realized what next week is. <laughs> Big things are on the horizon. Awesome. Talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.